take and turn them to Genesis chapter 17. And we read, starting in verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and and you will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down. And God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you are now an alien, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abram, as for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised, My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. As for Sarai, your wife, I'm sorry, Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him, and I will make him fruitful, and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of twelve rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant 
I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household or bought with his money, every male in his household, and circumcised them as God told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised, and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that same day, and every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his household or born from a foreigner, was circumcised with him. So far, the reading of God's Word. On this day... Abraham learns to call God, my God. I don't know if you write letters. If you, are you a letter writer to television stations when you get upset by things you see on TV? I, I, I don't write to the TV stations all that often, but I'll tell you when I write. I write letters to TV shows where the host, usually talk shows or game sh- or whatever, where, when the people, it seems, unnecessarily and far too often use the expression, oh my, what? They say, oh my God, oh my God, as some sort of expression of surprise, right, you know? And it bothers me. I wonder if it bothers you when you hear people take the name of God and use the name of God so that they can show that they're surprised or upset. Now maybe you say, what's the big deal? It's just words. Well, you know something? Words matter. Words do matter. And if you're in a place where you actually believe that Almighty God has graciously entered into a saving covenant of grace with you and has come into a personal relationship with you so that you now can truly say of Almighty God, He is my God. Then it might bother you just a little bit when people take the name and use the name of God in vain. I think if Abraham were watching television in America today, he would get upset with as frequently as he hears the name of God used so frivolously. You see, for 13 long years, nothing has happened in the life of Abram and his wife Sarai. For 13 years, there's just been tension between Hagar and Sarah, the mother of Abraham's son Ishmael, right? We learned about that last week. And for 13 years, Abram cherished a hope that maybe Ishmael might be the promised seed that would bring to pass the the promise of kings coming from him. And he has grown hopelessly old. He is now 99. His wife is 89 years old. This promise of a seed from Sarah and Abram together, this is impossible. It's laughable. 
Some things are too hard even for Almighty God. But God comes to Abram and he makes several speeches. If you look in the text, it says, and God said, and then down here, and God said, and then God said. He's making several speeches to him and he begins saying, Abram, I am God Almighty. And you know what this means? It means I can do anything. I'm just reminding you. Walk before me like Enoch did. Walk before me like Noah did. Righteous in their time. Be blameless by faith. Trust me. I will confirm my covenant that I cut 13 years ago with you. I will be your God. And to you and your descendants after you, you will be my people. You know what he does here? He confirms a relationship, a personal relationship with Abram. God gets personal with this man. Now, maybe that's not surprising to you because you're accustomed to hearing about God being a personal God, and I hope you know that here. But please understand that at the time that Abram lived, this was a surprise. Why is that? It's because he knows that he was not walking around looking for his personal God. He was not, you know, some people think they have the freedom to pick and choose who their God will be. Abram would never have tried to do that. Some people think, you know, well, I'll interview God for a job, and if he meets my criterion, then God can be my God, and he would be delighted to be my God. Maybe I'll choose him. Maybe I won't. But um, the whole point of the book of Genesis up to this chapter is that man is alienated and cut off from God. Oh, back in the Garden of Eden, people had a personal relationship with God. It was very close. It was very personal. And then man rebelled. Adam and Eve rebelled. And mankind is shut off from the garden, cast out into the howling wilderness, and entrance back into the garden is what? Is barred by a flaming sword. Angels with a flaming sword. You can't get back to the garden and to a personal relationship with God. But God, at his initiative, comes to Abram and enters into a covenant, a personal partnership with him. And that is by grace. That is what Jesus Christ came into the world to do for us. Jesus, the seed of Abraham, he came so that you could know God as Father, so that you could be brought into the new covenant family, so that you would be adopted into a personal family relationship with God. Now, for Abram, this was remarkable. This was striking and startling. It's none of this, gee, I guess I'll just pick my own personal God. God has come and personally embraced Abram and his descendants. That's why it says in the New Testament, there's this comment in Galatians 3.29, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You are part of that great lineage that kings have come from. You are now kings and priests to serve our God. You see, Christian people, you are the kings 
that were prophesied to come as Abraham's descendants. You are Christian royalty. That's what the Bible says. Isn't that strange? Every Christian has become a king and a priest to serve God. Yes, the promise was true that was made to Abraham by the millions. But just right here, verse 7, in verse 7, God pledges himself personally to Abram. And then in verse 8, he pledges himself personally to Abram's descendants. Okay? God is not saying, here are things I'm going to do for you, Abram. He's just saying, I belong to you. Have you ever had that time in your life when you felt it, when you knew it? God, the Holy Spirit, quickened something inside of you, and you just knew through Jesus Christ, I I belong to God and God belongs to me. Jesus says, I belong to you. That's why he got down on his knees and he washed the feet of his disciples. That's why he promised, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I belong to you. It is why the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church in Pentecost and took up residence on every head in every person. He says, you're now the temple of the Holy Spirit. You belong to God. God belongs to you, you who believe. It's personal. And you don't just call him God. You call him my God. We call him our God. Oh, some people would say, who do you think you are? Are you so proud, so arrogant to think that you can call Almighty God your God? What's your answer to that? The answer is yes. Okay? The answer is yes. On this day, Abram learned to say, my God Then he does something very interesting, startling. He gives Abram a new name. This is point number two. And some of you have been a bit puzzled and wondered, how come Yenchko calls him Abram when he's talking about uh, this guy in the first couple chapters of the story? And then why does he call him Abraham later? Which is it, Abram or Abraham? I never understood that. Well, here's the answer. He was called Abram. Uh, the father of many. That's what it means. That's his given name. But, um, oh, this story is an interesting one. I, I once read commentary by Donald Barnhouse that said, please pay attention to what happened here. It's kind of funny. Because Abram was a noted uh, leader in the community. He was a conquering warrior. He was a very rich man. And many, many people would come to his tents And they would want to be introduced, and they would say, how old are you? Because they respected the elderly. What is your age? Ah, you've lived 90, 99 years. Ah, you are blessed. And what is your name? My name is Abram, father of many. Ah, congratulations. And how many children do you have? And for the first 86 years, he said, none. Okay, father of many. And then between 86 and 99, ah, and how many children do you have? 
One. Ah. So the day comes when God speaks to him and says, I'm going to change your name. And can you imagine the day where Abram now gathers his servants and his, his clan around him and he says, I'm changing my name. And they think, yeah, it's about time, right? Father of many, you just can't take it anymore, can you? We've seen how humiliating this is for you. From henceforth, I shall be called Abraham, father of nations. Oh, have you finally gone off your rocker, old guy? But you see, the foolishness of men is the wisdom of God. The foolishness of God is the, wis- is, is, uh, is the wisdom of men. You see, God knows better. God is able to handle this on this moment. Abraham, you will be the father of nations and kings will come from you by the multitudes and I love this because what he's doing here is he's, he's more than just renaming Abram. He is changing the life of Abram. He's changing Abram. It's very personal, this naming business in the Bible. When you name somebody in the Bible, you're saying, I know you. You are mine. If you have the authority to give someone their name, you're, you're, you own them. And that's what God is saying here. And that's what the Bible says God does for you when you become a Christian, when you are in a Christian family. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 2, verse 17, and in Revelation 14, 1, at the end of the Bible, it says that God has for you a new name written on a white stone. See, they didn't have uh, passports back then. They didn't have your driver's license, but it's like your driver's license. And God says, I'm giving you a new name, a secret name, only the only name that I know, that you know. It's who you are. It will be revealed when you are glorified with Christ in heaven. I know you. You are special. And I own you. And then in chapter 14, to the 144,000 that represents all the saints in all the ages, it says, the Father has written his name on your forehead and the name of the Lamb on your forehead. So you've got these names stamped on your forehead. You are Christian. You are Christ's. Sealed onto your forehead. That's your new identity. But even more than just renaming him, God is transforming him. And this is really important, okay? So... Pay close attention. This is not just the name. This is, I'm going to change you now. And we like to say around here in North Shore Community Church, in your home fellowship groups, in your Bible studies, that we are not just about information. We are about transformation in this church. Do you understand the difference? If you just come to church and say, oh, I learned something interesting now. I went to youth group. Brandon taught me something interesting. It's not enough. It's not enough. Christianity is not just informational. It's transformational. 
If anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. He's going to change you. He's going to change Abraham. Suppose if you got married, those of you who are married here, what have you said? Why? I'm, I've entered into this marriage covenant with my wife. Of course, it doesn't change my life at all. It doesn't make any difference in my life. You know, I still spend my money how I want to spend it. I still go only where I want to go. It's the only thing I think about is what I want to do. Oh, well, I might talk to her on occasion if I need something from her. But other than that, other than that, really, that's, that's my covenant in my marriage. What do you think of that? It's utter nonsense. But there are people who come to church and they say, why? I come to church. Why? Because I want the big guy upstairs to not send me to hell but send me to heaven. So I want a little bit of hell insurance. But other than that, why? That's really all I'm interested in and the rest of my life is my own and I and I really don't have much to do with him otherwise except get a little bit of information here and there as it suits me. It's not informational. It's transformational. And we have it right here as Abram becomes Abraham, father of multitudes. He is renamed by God, and God changes him from the inside out. How are we changed? North Shore Community Church. Will God transform our heads, our hearts, and our hands? And the staff, we've been talking about that this week. That God will transform the way we think from thinking in worldly ways to taking every thought captive to Christ and having a biblical worldview shaped inside us that we can be people of faith who think God's thoughts after Him. He changes our heads. He changes our hearts so that we learn because of his grace, to get a distaste for sin and selfishness. We don't like anymore the selfishness, the pride, the arrogance, and the lust. And we start to get a distaste and a concern for those things that they should be cut off and put off. And why? What do you know? He actually puts in us a new righteousness, and we start to walk in healthy and holy ways before him. He changes the head, he changes the heart, and he changes the hands that is to say, what you do with your energy, how you spend your time and your resources and what you do, it actually evolves. It, there's a metamorphosis inside of you from your head, your heart, and your hands. Abram believes God's promise. He has a great partnership with God. He has a new name from God. And then he gets something that you didn't expect. He gets a new sign that he's in covenant with God, and what is it? Circumcision. Up in the sound booth, they said, do you have, a, you have a PowerPoint today? I said, no, not today, no pictures today. What happens here? Back in verse 4, God begins his speeches, you know, as for me, then he says, as for me. Now, down here, he says in verse 9, as for you, this is what I want you to do. First thing I'll just say is uh, some of you are thinking, Yenchko, a few weeks ago you told us the covenant of grace is unconditional. It was an unconditional covenant of grace, right? God walked through the parts, the, 
the dead animals, only himself. He didn't make Abram go through it. I thought you told me there were no conditions. Is this a condition of the covenant of grace? And the answer is no, it is not a condition of the covenant of grace. That would be impossible. But God is now saying to Abraham, you now need to respond in faith to what I've done for you. And so now, in faith, you're going to follow in my ways. You're going to do what I ask you to do. You'll be a part of this covenant. And it's very important to express your faith in what I have said. And so he gives him the sign and seal of circumcision to be the expression of faith in that promise. So God says, you slice off the, off the front flap of the skin from the male sexual organ as a perpetual sign for all the male children of Abraham to follow. Every male child on the eighth day must be circumcised. And all you have spiritual authority over must be circumcised. And when it happens, what does it mean? Now pay attention. This is sophisticated this is deep. This is so theologically rich and tells us so much about our relationship with God. When he obeys in faith, number one, it's just a sign saying, I am in the covenant with my God. That's number one. Number two, it's a sign saying, I am consecrated unto the Lord. That's, I'm not like all the pagan nations out there. I am consecrated, set apart for my Lord, and I belong to the living God for His purposes. That's number two. Number three, the New Testament actually interprets this interesting sign and seal for us. So we have New Testament explanation of what's going on. And Romans 4.11 tells us that this is the seal of the righteousness of faith. It says, and he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith. Remember? Abram believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And so when Abram was believing and obeying, yes, he's saying, I know I'm righteous by faith. And I'll tell you what else it means. It symbolizes the cutting off of the old man. And the New Testament teaches us that this is symbolic of cutting off the sinful flesh. When you become a Christian, we talk about putting off the old man and putting on the new. We talk about getting rid of the sinful flesh and walking in the new obedience in the way of Jesus. And that circumcision was declaring the whole New Testament doctrine of sanctification with one slice. And then he says, what if someone refuses? What if someone refuses to believe and obey. He tells us explicitly in this text, he will be considered a covenant breaker and be cut off from his kinsmen. And there's this deliberate pun. Okay, God liked puns, apparently, in the Old Testament. And uh, he says, if a person refuses the cutting off, then he will be circumcised from the people. He will be like that filthy piece of flesh that is now discarded. Whoa! Let him be cut off as though he is that flesh and cast aside. It is a sign of judgment on those who refuse the, to believe the promise. And it is a warning to those who are circumcised but yet fail to believe and rebel against the covenant God. 
And it is, number six, made explicitly clear that the children of believers also are in the covenant and are to belong to God. This is so interesting. Somebody's sitting out there saying, wait a minute, pastor. Are you telling me that the children here in this church don't have a choice about being in covenant with God? Yes, that is what I'm saying. That's what God said to Abraham when he called him Abraham and he gave him this sign. Those children are brought into the covenant community. They are in covenant with God. The only question is, will they benefit from the covenant? From the, will they lay hold of it by faith? Or will they rebel? And will they be then cut off? And the, the cutting off will, be, will happen to them. Hmm. Are you supposed to do it while the child is an infant? Or are you supposed to wait until he's an adult and can decide... Well, that depends, mom and dad, on whether you believe sin starts at puberty. When do you think sin starts? When do you think the sign that the sinful nature must be taken care of should be applied? Shall we wait until puberty? Not according to what God said to Abram. Because sin starts at birth. I do not mean to insult your beautiful children. You know I love them. But do not be deceived. The seed of depravity is universal for every person except one, Jesus Christ, all the rest. What is the significance to this? The New Testament tells us our circumcision is with Christ, and he was cut off for us. You see, as gruesome and bloody as this sounds, and as scary as the curse being uttered for those who refuse is, there is also redemptive beauty in it because, you see, Jesus Christ is the one we are told who was cut off, cast aside in the vile garbage of Golgotha for you and for me, cut off so we who love him would not be. And of course, you know, in Colossians 2, and we believe that baptism replaces circumcision in the new covenant. And now it is no longer this gender-specific sign just for boys, but it is for male and female, slave and free, Jew and Greek, boy and girl. You see, and I love this. Brought into the covenant community, they and their children call to the Lord. So, so are you you able to stay with me here? God enters into the best partnership. Some of you, I hope, will become partners in your law firm. I hope you'll be partners in your accounting firm. Some of you will become partners in your business. I think that would be great. But never forget, when you first become partner, you are only a junior partner. You are not the senior partner. Now, those senior partners will probably remind you of that. You're in a law firm and you're a junior partner. You know what? You're nodding your head. You know what I'm talking about. But never forget, God is the senior partner. You're the junior partner. 
And then you get a new name, and that new name means you are mine, I know you, and I will transform you. And then you have the sign and the seal to remind you. You see, this is so wonderful. (laughs) How often did Abraham remember the covenant? Every time he went to the bathroom, God gave him something he just couldn't forget. And now I ask you, I ask you, you who are baptized, how often do you wash your hands? How often is the water poured over your hands, rinsing the dirt, cleansing you? How often do you wash your hands? I pray for every one of you that every time from now on you wash your hands, you can't help but think of your baptism. You can't help but remember the water pouring over you. You can't help but remember your baptism. Don't wash your hands before breakfast, lunch, or dinner without remembering that you are in the covenant of grace through the Lord Jesus Christ who washed you with his precious blood. Never forget every time you get in the shower and that water sprinkles over you. Never forget the time the water comes over your hands. Never forget your baptism. You belong to him who loved you. Well, how do you respond? Abraham falls down in worship. You know, we, Martin and I and Brandon were at a, at a gathering this week, and the pastor who was teaching us was so marvelous in the way he explained how he has discipled his congregation in personal worship. What he meant by that is, He's got 5,000 members in his church, and he's sought to teach all of them to have personal worship daily with God. And I just sort of felt myself shrinking down in my seat. I started thinking, oh, Father, are there ways in which we have not been intentional enough in teaching you and you and you and you how every day? to have what Abram experienced. Abram fell down before the Lord in worship every day. I'm not talking about hours and hours. I'm saying every day do you stop. It's more than just reading your Bible. Every day you worship the God who has saved you, who has loved you, who knows you by name, and you praise him, you adore him, you confess your need of him, you talk to him, you take his promises, and you make them your own in your heart of hearts every day. And then on Sundays we gather, and we gather in the public and private worship of God. What about you? And then live out your baptism, believing that you are washed in the blood of Christ. Did, did circumcision save Abraham? No, it did not. Does baptism save you? No, it does not. But it does remind you, as it reminded him, that faith, circumcision was of the faith of Abram. You are saved by grace through faith. Believe, believe, believe the gospel. Let's pray. Our Father, today we don't just... In a blasphemous way, we don't say, oh, my God. We would not do that. We do not want to take your name in vain. But today, we say, oh, my God, 
how good, how gracious, how great you are. We pray for ourselves and for our children that you would get us over the the lunacy of thinking that we somehow interviewed you for the job of God. But instead, you have come. You have opened the door, opened the way. You have entered into a partnership with us. You give us a new name written on a white stone, and you have placed your name on our foreheads. We are alive in you transformed by you. And we, O Lord, we who have been baptized, we look back on that pledge. And we thank you. Help us to remember every day as we wash our hands how great is the covenant of grace and the salvation that is ours. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.